you read most of those. Just want to uh, kind of highlight two things. One, last week's pool party was a smashing success. Uh, my deep sympathies to all of you who missed it. Um, but it was, just, it was a lot of fun. It was really good. Uh, Mark and Marilee did a great job of organizing it. Uh, Pauline and her team did a great job with snacks. So thanks to all you guys who, who helped out with that. Um, the other thing that I would just point out is that Herman and Irma are not here this morning. This is not some, like, new accountability program. Um, but uh, their whole family is off uh, getting rowdy at the Leeds Center at Nebraska City because it is their 65th wedding anniversary. Which for s- isn't that good? Um, so, yeah, next time you see them, tell them congratulations and wow and, and whatever else. So, and I, I'm seeing some also 65 over here. Yeah? Oh, Henry and Miriam is what? I love that that's so common, that, like, people are bored with the 50th anniversary. Uh, congratulations, you guys. That is fantastic. Um, mind-boggling, actually. So uh, let me pray, and then we're going to sing some songs together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of marriage. Thank you that there are people in this congregation who have celebrated it, been faithful to one another for 65 years and beyond. Lord, that is a remarkable thing. Know that you had a hand in that, and we want to give you credit as well, too, Lord. Um, Father, it's good to be here this morning. It's good to be able to worship you. It's good to be able to study your word. Um, may our time this morning be honoring and glorifying to you. We love you so much. Amen. Please stand with us as we worship. Jesus is high above all things, He is Almighty God. We can put our trust in him. I come to seek your face. I long for you. You are my hiding place, my safe refuge, and I find my hope in you. Your Grace deeper than the sea, conquer the grave. You gave it all for me, your love displays. There is power in your name.
Jesus, hope of the nations. Jesus, comfort for all who mourn. You are the source of heaven's hope on earth. Yes, you are. Jesus, light in the darkness. Jesus, truth in each circumstance.
Jesus, that your love overwhelms us, your grace overcomes us, your grace is enough, your grace is more than enough, God. Just overwhelm us with your love, that we will know the depths, the heights, and how much you love us, that we will not be afraid, and we'll go forth and just be the light that you want us to be here in this world so many people in the darkness, so many people that are hungry, so many people that are lonely. God, may we be an answer to someone's prayer today in this week. God, that we will just be overwhelmed with your love, be filled so that we can go out and be the love, your love to other people. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing, um, Be Thou My Vision. And we're going to do verses 1, 3, and 4. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to
Please join me in a word of prayer. Holy Spirit, we love you and we worship you. We invite you here to ask you to, to speak to us this morning. have arrived with just thoughts, luggage from the previous week, uh, some things exciting, some things burdensome and heavy. And Lord, whatever it is that's so dominant in our brain this morning, we just want to lay that at your feet and give that to you. And it's a good thing, and we celebrate, and if it's a heavy thing, then Lord, we just, we give it to you. Spirit, it's our desire to be in right relationship with you. Scripture says to not grieve the Holy Spirit. So Lord, we ask you this morning, is, have we grieved you in a way, whether we're aware of it or maybe we were not aware of it? Have we grieved you in any way this past week, Lord? apologize or repent or express thanksgiving, we want to do that now, Lord. Lord, we pray for this church. More specifically, Lord, we pray for those... Um, sitting close to us, those around us. Lord, we pray for this community, that it would be a safe community, that this would be a community where, where you are honored, Lord, and that... Uh, People are, are coming to know you. Lord, we pray for our country. We recognize that you have blessed us in so many ways. We give you thanks for that. We're also aware that in many ways we're grieving you, Lord. So we ask for your, your intervention. pray for the missionaries, and we pray for Milt Korketen and Kedron, and uh, the good conference that they had at the, uh, for the Europe conference. Pray for Jason and Nicole, and just the amazing VBS that has happened in these last couple weeks. And we pray for the Rogists and the language studies, 
pray for Jen as she settles into another school. Thank you for joy and peace and the wholeness that you bring. We love you, Lord. Amen. You give life. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise, pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise to you only. You give shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing great are you and all the earth will shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing Shout your praise, our hearts. 
need my other peeps. Okay. Um, We have the privilege of just sharing some things of what God did um, for the Utah missions trip, uh, which was last week. And we recovered this week, sort of. I'm still not quite recovered. (laughs) We're still exhausted. I think Jason and Nicole are still exhausted. Um, Anyways, we want to just thank you for the opportunity um, that we had to go. Um, It was an amazing week, and getting to live life with them, but also do ministry with them, and it just, it's just continues to set your heart towards what they're doing and what God is doing there, and you guys know that Jason and Nicole and our families are really close. Well, this, I mean, it's just bonds us closer and it bonds us closer with their peeps, with their people. And we know their people. We got to meet lots of their people. We got to connect with them. So we have more people standing in the gap for Jason and Nicole. And because of this missions trip, I guarantee you there are people on this team that are praying more fervently because um, of this opportunity that we got to go. So I thank you for that. And they thank you for that. Um, the kids and I went out early, uh, a couple of days early, with Nicole and her kids. It was a 15-hour drive, me driving one vehicle, Nicole driving another vehicle. We had one person that was car sick on the way up and one person that was car sick on the way back. So, um, but I would do it again, give or take five or six months. <laughs> Let me recover first, then I take the drive again. Anyways, it was um, it was kind of a trying drive. The f- way up there was pretty good. The way back was hard, but you know, you got to do it. So it was worth it. Um, we did BBS for three days in the park. It was beautiful out there. Um, Sam said he loved doing a BBS outside, 
So maybe we want to consider that for next year. I don't know. Um, but we got up early each day. We were there, set up, and we were ready to pray as a team and then be ready to go by 9.30. It went to about 11.30, 11.45 each morning. And then we got to do some things as a team, um, get some of the Utah cultures. So that was pretty cool. Um, I'd say the most impacting thing for me from Bible school was the first day and the first song, these kids, it was like they knew the songs. It was, sorry, it was amazing. In Henderson, these kids were, they didn't quite know the songs, and that's fine, and they learned them, but it was like they knew the songs right away, and they're doing the actions, and I just felt like God's spirit was just really present there, that they could sing with joy and um, participate. So that was really cool to see. Um, and there was three or four new families that Jason and Nicole got to meet. Um, we had put flyers um, in the condo area, and some of those families had come. So Jason and Nicole got to connect with some new families and some new kids. So um, we don't know where God will take that, but that's pretty cool. Um, uh, I would say, too, that the impact that the team, the team was very impacted as well. There was some people that said, I want to live this way when I get home to Henderson. That was really cool. They want to live with open hands, open hearts, open homes. And um, that really was cool to see. Um, Jason and Cole have really been an inspiration to Craig and I and our family. The way that they live, um, I want to live that way. I want to live in a way that people are curious. People want to know what's different about me. I don't get it right all the time, but I do so want to be connected to Jesus and that when people see my life, when they see um, the relationships I have, that they will desire that as well. And so um, it was a gift and a privilege to be a part of this. It was a gift and privilege for my kids to be a part of it. Um, Their presence there was an encouragement to Jason and Nicole's kids as well. So um, continue to pray for Jason and Nicole and um, send them notes, emails. Just let them know that they're not alone out there. My verse for the week was from Psalms 51.12. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and renew a right spirit within me. The verse came to mind on the Saturday afternoon before we left, and I spent a lot of time thinking about that. What does the joy of my salvation mean? After spending a week in a 99% plus Mormon populated area that experiences a lot, a, a high rate of depression and suicide, I think I have a better idea of what the joy of my salvation means for me. It means that my salvation, as in comparison maybe to a Mormon, my salvation is not dependent on my works or if I follow the rules or give enough money or have the right ancestors or have to depend on another person's prayers to get me to heaven. Jesus simply asks me to believe in him, his death and resurrection, and how wonderful and joyful that is. The other part of the verse talks about um, having a right spirit, and I took that 
as referring to my attitude because being gone for a whole week just might affect mine. The verse kept me encouraged and on the right track, and I'm very thankful for that. I was stretched during this trip, sleeping at someone else's home, hiking for miles and miles, driving for miles and miles, uh, city driving in a 15-passenger van that I'd never driven before, talking with people I didn't know, trying to share the Bible stories effectively, and realizing that so many people that I came in contact with there were probably Mormons who, for the most part, thought they were just Christians like me. And then there were the 50 kids that came to the park. One girl told me, we don't sing songs like that in our church. And another one said, um, in response for me, to me saying something about, Jesus is the only way, she said, but there are others. And several kids thanked us for coming or gave us hugs. So it was really great. 50 kids that matter to Jesus, and I'm going to pray for them. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Um, and uh, I don't know, just this whole theme of light uh, was kind of a theme that our team um, kind of went in with, and even Jason and Nicole touched on about being a light. And uh, before we left, um, I just asked God, um, God, like, what, are you, what do you have in store? Like, what are you wanting to show us, or what are you wanting to show me? And uh, God gave me a really cool picture of um, what that, uh, a little glimpse of, of what that light looked like. And uh, he gave me a picture of Jason and Nicole um, going on a, a, like, a midnight hike. Um, and they were um, with their family, and they were walking through um, like a forest area, which is cool because where they live, there's lots of trees and mountains, and, but it was at nighttime and it was really dark and, um, they had flashlights and their kids had flashlights too. And they were leading the way and, um, I couldn't see the people behind them, but I knew that there was, there was people behind them. And, and they kept looking back with their, with their flashlights, with like an eagerness in their, in their hearts to, to point them to where they were going. Um, and where they were going was, was towards Jesus, um, the one true light. And um, that was just so encouraging to me, and I shared that uh, with Jason and Nicole before we left, that that was a picture that God had given me as, as we go into um, uh, Utah, and, and they just said that that was just really encouraging, and just I continued to see that theme uh, represented um, as we were uh, there in Utah, and, and, and you get there, and it looks like everything is just so put together, like the homes are gorgeous, like there's this beautiful background of mountains, and then at night, like the sun would set, and it just explodes with color, and it just seems, and like safe neighborhoods for, for kids, everyone's outside, it just looks like, yeah, they have it together, but um, man, could you really just feel the darkness, and um, just, um, yeah, lack of, of joy, and I don't know, it was just a really interesting feel, because you, on the outside, it, you wouldn't think that, but um, you could just really feel that heaviness there. Um, and uh, I was just really encouraged by one of the, the leaders of, of the greenhouse. Her name was Suzanne, and she was kind of the, the main leader for the uh, VBS. And um, she used to be a former Mormon, um, came out of that lifestyle. And she just said that our group being there was like a bonfire um, instead of a flicker. So many of them um, in, in the greenhouse community, they feel like they're just like a little flicker um, because the darkness is just so vast and so thick. 
Um, but she said that um, with our group being there, like it was just like a big bonfire. So that was encouraging that, that they could feel um, that encouragement and see the light grow um, while we were there. And so that was encouraging to us because so many times you think like, what am I doing? Am I doing anything? Like we're only here for a short time, but um, kind of like what Carla and Christine said, like the spirit was just really moving and um, that was so encouraging to me and just to like hang out with I, me and I, I got to take a, a girl from Grace Children's Home with me and that was just awesome for me to get to take her and, and um, have her exposed to like a whole new lifestyle and, and have God work in her life too. And so in the evenings we would just hang out with Jason and Nicole and uh, Michaela and I stayed there with Christine and um, yeah, at Jason Nicole's house. And I really felt like we were kind of back in college again, like in our late night talks. It was great. Like, I, don't, I haven't laughed that hard in a long time. And so I enjoyed those, those late night uh, talks of just hearing Jason Nicole's uh, heart for the people. And they are so intentional. Like, it blew my mind. Like, like, as soon as we got out of the van, like, they are just filled with intentionality as they, like, there'd be neighbors walking and usually we're just like, oh, hey, you know, but no, Nicole like goes out and like greets them and they're like chatting about life and they're just so, it's so ingrained in them to be intentional wherever they are. And I'm just like, man, like, I'm not like that all the time. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't want to go to the grocery store today because I know I'm going to talk to 10 people and I have 20 things to do. And I'm just like, man, like, I just need to change my attitude in that. And uh, like, what an opportunity it is to check in with somebody and see how they're doing. And you just never know what, um, yeah, what type of encounter God has waiting for you if you don't take that opportunity. So that would just through, like, I don't know, just how intentional they are in building intentional relationships. That's just so ingrained in Jason and Nicole, and, and um, they're hoping that that transpires into their own greenhouse um, community, that they too are, they're intentional with their neighbors. Um, and so, um, yeah, maybe some of the questions you guys have are how many, how many families are involved in greenhouse? Um, so I was talking to Nicole about that, and she's like, oh, that's such a hard question because um, it's just their whole mindset of church planning is just complete. It's just different. It blew my mind of, of all the work that they've gone into of like the logistics of doing this. And it's kind of like a layer, like there's layers to this. Like they have like the nucleus and then there's like these layers to it um, with like the nucleus being like their, their core group of families that are there. And then um, around that, then there's greenhouse events and then there's neighborhood events. And then there's just like everyday interactions with people and I was just like she sent me a picture of like their little circle graph and I was just like that is awesome like it's so cool how they they're just it's set up um but she said that they have about 35 people that are involved um in their uh in their I guess church um family um and uh some of them have been former Mormons um some of them have been like inactive for a number of years and then some of them they, they're not Mormons, but they've been around Mormons because they've grown up there. Um, so, yeah, just different different types of, um, yeah, groups of people that, that they meet with. Um, and, um, yeah, so it was just really encouraging that we got to have a meal with some of them um, one of our last nights there and just get to interact with them, kind of see where they're at. So that was a blessing. Um, and then last Sunday they had one of their first meetings at um, Devoted. It's a fitness center. And so they um, met there, and that's where they're going to be meeting now. Um, and I guess that went really well. One of uh, the families from the VBS um, came to that. And um, so, yeah, just continue to pray um, for follow-up conversations um, from the VBS um, and soul care. Nicole uh, 
wrote me and she's like, yeah, just pray for Jason and I that we would just take time to um, just look out for our own um, hearts, I guess, because you just constantly giving and giving and giving and it's important that we take time just to be with God and um, listen to what he wants. So many times we go in with our own agenda, um, but maybe he's got something different for us. And so that, yeah, they would just take the time um, to, um, yeah, take time for themselves and just pray against any fears or doubts um, that the enemy wants to put in, um, to them because it's, it's, uh, yeah, it can be hard work, um, and they're on the front lines, um, and pray for team, that there would be other people that would feel or, um, hear a calling, um, from God to go and join them, um, and, uh, join in them, uh, join with them in the work that God's called them to, so, yeah, it was really impactful for me. I love doing this type of stuff, going and, um, being a part of um, what God's doing in, in places, and I know that he's just as much at work here as he is, um, yeah, in, in Utah, so it was a good time.
Isn't that good stuff? My, my ministry background is, is missions, everything from uh, coordinating everything from 10 days to 10 months. And so um, I love this kind of stuff. I love that we had a team that went. Uh, my intentional plan is that this would not subside, that we would continue to just ramp this up uh, more and more every year. If I could this summer, I would just send half of you to Utah, and the other half I would send uh, to Berlin with Kenton and Kedron Miller. And then the scragglers, I'd just drop off in Paris with the Rogists for a week. And so um, that requires, though, a lot of bake sales and uh, perhaps more than, than what we're committed to uh, at the moment. But um, when done well, and those are important words, but when done well, uh, it's incredibly beneficial and helpful to, to the missionaries on that end, which is fantastic and very powerful and impactful for the people who go, right? I mean, even comments like, I want to live like this in, in Henderson, I want to live like this back home, is just fantastic. So, um, yeah, I think it's great. So, thanks so much for sharing that. Okay, we are in Ephesians, and I've uh, been walking through this, it's been great. Um, We've been looking at Ephesians, uh, kind of for the, the lens that we have been using is chapters 1, 2, and 3 uh, about identity. Who are you in Christ? What does it mean to be seated in Christ? Uh, theme word on that is seated. Uh, the next part of Ephesians, uh, 4, 5, and the first part of 6, uh, theme word is walk. What does it mean to walk in the world? What do our kind of our actions look like here on earth? And then the last part of Ephesians is stand, or our theme word is stand, and there what does it mean to stand against the enemy? And so that's that's been the lens at, at which we were working through Ephesians. So um, identity, which must come first, and then what does it mean to walk in the world and stand against the enemy? Those are our three key words. Um, we have spent uh, two weeks already on spiritual gifts, uh, or about five words here in Ephesians 4. Um, I, I, I just got to say a few more things, and then we'll be done. Uh, on that, I promise. Thank, thank you for. I, I cut out oodles of material. I swear, um, but there are a few things though that I do want to to wrap up with this. Uh, we are in Ephesians four, uh, verse eleven, and uh, feel free to to read along with me. It should also be up on the overhead here. Um, but let me read to you uh, eleven to sixteen. Uh, but he, but here's here's what to look for. Here's what I want you to listen for. So it opens up, and Paul mentions a couple different spiritual gifts. But, but then listen for the purpose of those gifts. Um, in, in regards to, to naming spiritual gifts, the other passages that talk about spiritual gifts, it's pretty quick. Like maybe a spiritual gift where we'll get a sentence of description, but that's about it. This, this Ephesians passage is very unique because the explanation, the description of, of, and the, of those gifts and the purpose of those gifts is more thorough than a lot of the other areas. So just listen for kind of the sort of the, the, the purpose behind it. Starting in verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. But rather, speaking the truth in love, 
We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together uh, by every joint uh, with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body so that it builds itself up in love. If I were to summarize all of that uh, in its colorful pile of adjectives, uh, I would pull out words like maturity and growing in maturity and no longer children, becoming adults, putting on your big boy pants, uh, no longer a child, no longer think like a child, no longer act like a child. Jesus calls us to be childlike in our faith, but only in our faith. In everything else, we are to grow up. Um, I would also pull out not influenced by whims or deceitfulness. And those are actually two drastically different things. Uh, there are theological fads that, that people kind of get drawn into for a season. It's a theology, it's a concept, it's, it's some little sliver of Scripture that, that doesn't represent the whole of Scripture. And people just kind of get drawn up into it, and, and their theology and their faith just bounces all over the place. But secondly, you have deceitfulness, and that's something entirely different, because there you have people of influence intentionally using their influence to, to deceive, to, to lead astray. Um, uh, uh, they might, maybe they realize that what they're doing is deceitful, maybe they not, I don't know. Um, and, I mean, I can think of a, a few dominant names where I, I just don't have a whole lot of respect, because to me it feels like they've just taken a sliver of the gospel, and, and you know, everything, it, and a lot of people, I think, are just getting deceived. So you need to be able to recognize both the whims, kind of the fads, but you also need to be able to recognize the deceitfulness. On the contrary, we speak the truth in love. Sometimes truth is comforting, sometimes it's hard to hear, but always spoken in love, right? Love undergirds everything we do. A couple weeks ago, we looked at 1 Corinthians 13 and how the context is actually spiritual gifts. And if you do not have love as one of the foundation of your spiritual gifts, then you could almost extrapolate out of a couple verses there that both the effect of your spiritual gifts and even your reward of the use of those gifts will be null and void, will be zero, nothing. No love, no effectual spiritual gifts. And then we grow to be more Christ-like, and there's very uh, wonderful terminology on just how he uh, builds us up and holds us all together. Scripture has a lot of different um, uh, analogies or pictures of the church, okay? Uh, one of them is, you know, kind of very much on a mission. You could also use the analogy of a hospital to say that, hey, this is a place where we want broken people, right? We want people with just messed up lives joining us on Sunday, you know? And so I recognize that there are different analogies for the church. Uh, when we look at this section, though, when we look at what does the church look like at, at, kind of from this lens, from these verses— and one of the things that we see is that actually my job as your teacher and pastor is not to do the ministry for you. My job is to equip you for ministry. I'm not sure how you feel about finding out that you're in the ministry. But when you said yes to Jesus, you said, I'm entering the ministry. Our, our church has two kind of different pe people. People who are paid to do ministry and people who are not paid to do ministry. 
right? I mean, that's, that's kind of the two categories, and I'm in the minority, all right? Um, I am your coach. I am your instructor. I am your, your training uh, or, or, or your trainer. All of you are, are to do this. Um, you, some of you have, have been to physical therapy, and you know that the trainer is your friend, but yet kind of like not really your friend, or at least it feels like they're not really your friend, but you just kind of keep reminding yourself that as you do these awful exercises that you hope that you're their friend, they're your friend, and they, they make you do these exercises that are painful and miserable, and it's kind of a love-hate relationship with an emphasis on hate, but whatever. That's, that's kind of what my role is. Uh, this is not a popularity contest. This is spiritual fitness gym. All right? You're not here to be entertained. You're not here to feel good about yourself. You're here to exercise. You're here to work out and be conditioned for another seven days out there. All right? I'm not the social coordinator. I'm not here to hold your hand and we just kind of, you know, pat you on the head and we just kind of justify your sins away. Right? I'm here to make you do, like, spiritual push-ups. Google it if it's been a while, okay? Um, so, spiritual gym. Um, gifts mentioned in Scripture. Uh, here's just a slide of, of the gifts that are mentioned, where they're, they're found, uh, kind of all over the place. We're not going to go into a description um, of these or anything like that. That's part of the material that, that, that we cut out. Uh, there are a couple other verses, though, that are interesting. Um, Exodus has a very interesting verse that certainly sounds like a spiritual gift. Let me just read it to you. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill and ability and knowledge in all kinds of crafts, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage all kinds of craftsmanship. It certainly sounds like a spiritual gift, but yet the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, and so how do those two fit together? And I don't really know. I'm just throwing it out there to mess with you a little bit. But that's just kind of a fascinating verse that, that certainly seems to be worded like a spiritual gift. There are other verses that, uh, or there are others that are hinted at, but not clearly defined in Scripture. Um, martyrdom, we talked about that, 1 Corinthians 13. He's giving all these lists of spiritual gifts, you know, and he says, if I prophesy but have not love then it accounts right and so he names a spiritual gift and it's kind of this rhetorical question and then he throws in if i give away everything i have to the poor and i and i give my body to be burned and it's kind of like what happened you you went off script um what, what what's what's this giving away and this burning of bodies type thing and uh so two that we see that are hinted at but not clearly defined are are what some would call volunteer poverty and martyrdom um some have wondered about the interpretation of dreams. We see that used by Joseph and Daniel. Uh, celibacy gets mentioned in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 6 to 7. Uh, Paul says something to the effect of, I wish everyone was like me, but we all have different giftings and that kind of thing. So, um, I, I still remember one of my friends once was, because we didn't get married till like I was 30, so I was single for a long time. I got, I got bachelor skills. And uh, one of my friends was like, dude, maybe you have the gift of celibacy. I was like, ha, ha, ha. He's like, no, I'm really serious. And I was like, no. We're not going to talk about this. Like, I, I don't know how f far some of you remember back, but like most single people are pretty pumped about Jesus returning so long as after it happens, after they get married. So um, 
And if you don't get that, I'm not explaining it to you. But when, when you look at this list of spiritual gifts, and when you read verses that describe spiritual gifts as manifestations of the Holy Spirit, and when you wrestle with odd verses like Exodus, and kind of where that's kind of out of left field, uh, and then you see other verses that, that get hinted at but yet not named, one of the questions that comes forward is that are all the gifts listed in Scripture, or are there other gifts not listed? Right? So we have this list, you know, of all these different stuff kind of scattered throughout Scripture. Is this kind of the final complete list, or is there other stuff beyond that? Uh, you kind of need to make your decision. Um, for me, um, I believe that there are spiritual gifts not named in the New Testament, that these are examples but not the full and complete list, uh, for three reasons. One is that no verse talks about these lists, or, or, or that the gifts being limited to what's named here. There, there's no kind of limitations placed on, on the lists. Um, the lists overlap. No list really kind of gets put forward as the master list. Um, and oftentimes when they get named, it's almost like an example that's tied into some bigger concept that the guy is trying to, to articulate. So he's talking about something, and then he throws in a couple of spiritual gifts, and then he keeps going on with, with kind of the bigger theme. That's the first one. Second one, second reason is just that I love this phrase, manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And that the Holy Spirit as a living being gets to express himself through you pretty much however he wants. I mean, presuming you're okay with it. But um, that he is just creative and endless and colorful and beautiful. And that he can express himself in so many ways. Here's the third reason why I don't think this list is complete. And that is because of people like Christine. Or John. Or Helen. When a good worship leader leads us in musical worship, to me there is something that exceeds technical skill. That, that there is an attuneness to the Holy Spirit that some people could not do. That, that a good worship leader is beyond a musical ability and a knowledge of song. That, 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 there, that there's just, there's something spiritual going on there. And so I firmly believe that some people have a spiritual gift of leading us in musical worship. But, no such gift is listed. There, 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 there's nothing up there that would match that. So, spiritual gifts. We're done with that. Um, we are just going to creep into this next section and then, and then we'll be done. Um, back in Ephesians. Verse 17. And we're just going to do verse 17 this morning. Now this I say and testify to the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. And if, I mean, if, if you're, you know, kind of a keener student and you want to read ahead, um, you know, Paul goes on to list kind of some before and after descriptions, and at the end he, he comes back to mind, uh, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Um, the battle is always for the mind. Uh, to put off the old, to, to put on the new, it happens through the mind. Thoughts, thinking, lies, and truth. 
if I could remove all of the lies from your head and replace them with truth, I bet, I bet 90% of counseling would disappear. I bet we could put Sandy Croker out of work. She's not going out of work anytime soon, but I bet we could if that could happen. Because, I mean, isn't that what counseling is, dealing with the hurts of the mind? You change the mind, you change the entire person. Uh, if, I could, if I could take all the lies in your head, get rid of them, and have you properly understand the truth of, of your value, of your worth, of your identity, of your identity in Christ, the extent to which Christ loves you, your desperate need for a Savior, the grace given to you, the state of the world. If the people in this room had all of that completely and correctly lined up, I mean, this group would change all in Nebraska. When I do discipleship people, when I, when I counsel people, so much of it revolves around the mind and understanding God's truth. Uh, even when, when we experience Christ in a real tangible way, which is powerful, so much of that simply serves to convince the mind. There are a lot of verses in Scripture about mind. Uh, you can read along. You can simply um, uh, just listen to me read these to you. I just, I just want to go through a whole slew of verses around mind and, and li- listen for, for the word mind. First uh, Kings 3.9. This is Solomon's request for wisdom. He words it like this. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people. Psalm 26.2. Prove me, O Lord. Try me. Test my heart and my mind. Jeremiah 17.10. I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Matthew 16.22-23. to 23, Very famous section. Um, but he turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Matthew twenty two thirty seven. He said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Romans 8, 5. For those of us who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Uh, Romans 12:2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How are we transformed? By the renewal of your mind. 2 Corinthians 4, 3. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. 1 Peter 1, 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded. And then one other verse, it doesn't directly name mind, but, but, it, but it names things of the mind. 2 Corinthians 10.4, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought obedient 
captive to obey Christ. The battle is always for the mind. We're going to cover the rest of this next week. It'll be really good. You should come back. The one thing I would end with, though, on the mind, because so much of it is just how do you, um, how do you reprogram the mind? How do you renew the, the thinking? And two thoughts for you. Uh, one, the, the, the Center for Bible Engagement has done some interesting research. And they surveyed, I don't know, a whole bunch of people and surveys about behavior and engagement with Scripture and that kind of thing. Their, their study found that for those people who engaged in Scripture at least four times a week, then their lifestyle and their behavior was different. But for those people who engaged in Scripture three times or less, even for Christians, their behavior in some areas was no different than the unbeliever. That only engaging Scripture, if, if you are only engaging in Scripture three times a week or less, you're not actually undergoing any kind of transformation. And in fact, if you take some little survey, it might even show that actually your lifestyle is no different than the person who doesn't know Jesus. And so if you actually want to reprogram the mind, if you actually want to experience renewal of the mind, then at least four times a week, you have got to be getting Scripture in your head in some capacity. Maybe for you it's reading. Maybe you love to read. Maybe maybe that doesn't work. You're on the road a lot. You sit in a car a lot. Listen to it. We have the technology, people. Uh, that's certainly an option. Um, sermons. I mean, that's there's all kinds of different stuff that you can listen to and, and watch, right? But but at some point, you always have to have, though, just, just straight Scripture into your mind as well, too. The other thing that I would point out is, you know, in the back, we have Bibles and Life Journals. And within the Life Journals... Um, here are the Bibles. They're free. Take one. Take some for your friends. Uh, Life Journal, same thing. Um, the Life Journal uh, has got a reading plan in the front, which is really great. Takes you through the Old Testament once, New Testament twice. It's chronological, that kind of thing. But then you you journal out some of your reflections, and uh, and there's some there's some instructions here on, on how to journal well. One of the things that I have found for my life is that the best nuggets and that the real power doesn't happen so much in the reading, it's in the reflecting. I can skim through stuff real fast, right? That's what college taught me. Yep, working right through it. I had one book. I think I had a day to read it. I tried reading like every other page. It didn't work at all. I, I don't even remember the, the, the book. It was so bad. But there is such a deeper level of engagement and power in the reflecting that goes far beyond the reading. You can read it and then just go about your day, no big, no big deal. But to actually reflect on it. And if you're really crazy, you can do stuff like, Holy Spirit, what is it you're trying to teach me? And then, and then listen for him and for the reflection. That is where the, that's where the nuggets are, the gold nuggets. That's where the, the gems lie. The battle is always for the mind, and right now there's a battle going on for your mind. There's a battle going on for the minds of people in our community, in our country, um, all over the place. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for your scripture.
thank you for your, your word. Thank you for your truth. Lord, thank you that, that you can transform us. Uh, that's remarkable. Um, that you, it, it, it's, it's not just that, that we can change a few behaviors or, or patterns. Lord, only you actually have the power to transform who we are and our character and our values and our outlook and our very, our very being. Lord, I pray that Scripture would be a delight for us, that we would enjoy it, that it would be lovely to us, that we would thirst after like a, like a deer pants for water, and that we would, that we would make time for prayer, for, for, for reading, and for reflection, for listening to your voice and saying, okay, Lord, here's, here's, here's the page, here's the Scripture. All right, but what does that have to do with me? Search me, O Lord. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way within me. And lead me in the, the path of everlasting. We love you, Lord. Amen. Feel free to stand. You can sit too as well. Just um, end with this reflection, a song of uh, that our God is great. Everything we have is from Him. And just, God, that you will breathe truth into our lives, into our hearts, and that we will receive it. You give life. You are love. You are light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken, and great are you, Lord. It's your breath. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath.
your breath in our lungs so we 